0: Come get a candy bar. You get a big one. That's That's right. Who brought a paper Bible like this? You got a paper Bible? Show me. I look for evidence. She does? Show me. And then come get a candy bar if you got one. Oh, it's just a book. <laughs> huh? Huh? Mm-hmm. Who remembers when the corn maze is? Corn maze. I know, I know, I know, I know. I know, I know, I know. I know, you just threw it back at me! Why? You don't think these are any more chewy than these? <laughs> Snickers. Well, at least they're grateful. <laughs> I'll have more questions. Oops! Oh. <laughs> Heads up! Heads up! Wow, the ungratefulness in this room is incredible. <laughs> hmm? Who remembers the last time that I preached? Two months ago. Three months ago. When? Uh, September third. <laughs> that was not two months ago. <laughs> That's. I think you're a little confused. Last week. Last week, Next. Last time I preached a full sermon. Full sermon. That was not. Nah, that was like 10 minutes. Josh, what do you got? Huh? I'm pretty sure it was June. Was it July 1st? Let me check. Uh, July 1st was a Friday, so definitely not then. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was June. Did anyone say June?
1: <laughs>
0: you guys are a bunch of liars. <laughs> she did, and then she's like, mm, May. <laughs> No, it was back. It was the other way. I heard it. And then you went back to May. You didn't know. I think I literally All right. Last time I preached a sermon in youth group, what book of the Bible was it from? No. No. Good guess, though. It's a safe answer. I mean... No, it wasn't revelation. Nope. It was a letter from a person to a person. That's not a letter from a person to a person. Jesus is not a book of the Bible. <laughs> you guys don't know. The day you were born. <laughs> Your birthday is the day you were born. All right. I'll get into the scriptures, okay? All right, listen up, listen up. We'll have more opportunities, don't worry. Let me ask you, it it was Second Timothy. I don't even know if you were here for it, were you? Oh, wait, yeah, you were here for it. So... Let me ask you this question, and this isn't a candy bar worthy question, but it's a fun question. What would you do with a 400 ounce gold bar? It's like 25 pounds, it's a lot of money, and I'll get into how much money it is. What would you do with it? Yeah, what would you do? Start doing, you'd invest, you'd invest it. You go up to Elon Musk. Just go up to him. Just go find the guy. Strike up a conversation with him. I'll give you all this money if you take me to Mars. All right. What about you, John? Power to endure. Power to endure. I think he's still talking about it. That was my last Sunday one. That was even further back. That wasn't, that wasn't during the summer, though. Huh? That wasn't youth service. Well, I'm saying that wasn't the last youth service. That was Youth Sunday. Yes. Reese, what about you? I know you had your hand up. What would you do? You display it? Check me out. Check out my gold. (laughs) Who else would display it? Raise your hand. Nobody? (laughs) You'd buy clothes. It's a lot of clothes. Or very few, really expensive clothes. (laughs) What would you do? You'd melt it down and make a bunch of silverware. Even if it was 100% pure gold. Because gold is actually incredibly soft for a metal. It is a very pliable, malleable metal. Who else? Moe's, what you got? What would you do? 400 ounces of gold. You didn't raise your hand? I thought you did. Jada? Oh, okay, okay. You'd put people on a treasure hunt? Landon, what you got? June 18th? 15th? Very nice. Go ahead, take one, Landon, come on up. Elena, you're the last one, what would you do? 400 ounces of gold. you put everyone on a wild goose chase? Oh, that's pretty funny. I think that would be hilarious. What, John? Hey, listen up. Did you guys hear John's answer? John, what would you do? John would make a youth community center. Now that's pretty sweet. Did you guys hear that? Who heard what John said? What did he say? Who would want to see one of those here in Butte? You guys even know what that is? Man, you guys are so deprived. <laughs> it would be like a youth center and have like a gym inside of it. You could do stuff after school there. I mean, it's like, I mean, youth could hang out there after school. Yeah. I mean, it's. You guys remember where we went for desperation? And the first place that we stayed? I had the gym in there, people were playing volleyball. That's basically a youth community center. <laughs> that would be pretty sweet, right? We gotta be done. Sorry. So, how much do you guys think that is in value? Four hundred ounces of gold. How much do you think that is? Uh, not quite ten billion. <laughs> it's so just so you guys have a visualization of what it looks like. It's it, the typical gold bars that you would see in movies and in cartoons. That's that just one of them. How much do you think it's worth? No, it's not quite that much. It's roughly, depending on the market, it's roughly about 700,000 dollars. 675,000 to 700,000. It's a lot of money. You guys know what the average cost of a home is in today's market in the United States? The average value of a home today. Huh? Not that much. <laughs> well, in Bozeman, I'm saying the entirety of the United States. If you were to just get a random house, somebody said, I'm going to buy you a home in the United States, and that's all you know. It is $429,000. is the average cost of a home in the United States. You could go to Mars. I don't know if you could. Ask Elon Musk. He hasn't done it yet. And he's got a lot of money. So, it's funny she brings him up, because I'm actually going to mention him in my stream. <laughs> Here's the thing. Listen, the average cost of a home, you could have one gold bar. You could buy a $429,000 house, which is, mind you, a very nice house here. It's very nice. That's over double the value of our house, easily. And, I mean, we don't have, like, the most amazing house, but I'm like, we got an okay house. Guys, listen up. Hey, bring it back. Bring it back. Getting a little on hand. Hey, you could buy a pretty nice house and still have, like, almost a quarter of a million dollars left over using the gold bar. Just one gold bar. You bought two houses, I mean, sure, go ahead. Buy one house, use the other one for renting out to people and make money. That's right. That's right. But here's the thing. Everybody has to come to this question, why am I here? What is my purpose? And I would imagine if I were to ask everybody in this room, majority of you would say you've at least asked this question once. And if you haven't asked it yet, you will. Because it is an age-old question that humanity has been trying to figure out the answer to for a long time. You guys listening? There's a lot of chatter going on. <laughs> why am I here? Look to your neighbor and say, why are you here? <laughs> what is the purpose of life? If you guys ever ask these questions, I want you guys to think about this. If you've never asked these questions, you should start. Because this is really what gets you to live your life with a purpose. You will never live your life with a purpose if you don't discover what it is. You'll just wander meaninglessly throughout your life. And nothing you do will really amount to much. Because you have no meaning and purpose behind your footsteps. Now there's a parable that Jesus talks about. Um, it's in Matthew 25. If you want to get this started, Josh, don't put it up there yet. But Matthew 25, verse 15. I'm going to do ESV translation. Matthew 25:15. This passage here, it starts off with Jesus following up a parable he shared just before this called the parable of the ten virgins and it's all about jesus coming back the whole parable is about you can go read it for yourself and honestly it's a pretty sobering parable it's one when i read it i'm like gosh am i really doing what i should be am i ready for jesus to come back it makes me start to think and question the choices in my life and how valuable they've been um And whether I've done the things for the right reasons. But he follows up the parable with another parable. Explaining his coming back from a different angle. From a different perspective. And it still brings and drives home the same point that he's coming back. Are you ready? He's coming back. What are you doing about it? Are you preparing for his return or not? In this parable he starts this parable often referred to as the parable of the talents or the parable of the three servants. And with this parable there's three servants that this master gives his possessions, his property, his earnings, what's rightfully his to them to do with them what he tells them to. He expects them to use them wisely. To make the most of them so that when he comes back, they can give an account for what they did while he was gone with what he owned. So, it says here, Matthew 25, verse 15, if you want to pull it up there, Josh. It says, to one he gave five talents. Everybody say five talents. And then to another he gave two. Everyone say two To another, one. Everybody say one. Give one. To each according to his what? What does it say up there? Ability. Ability. Now what does that mean? What What they're able to do. What they're capable of doing. How many of you here are an athlete? Anybody? Athletes. Who's an athlete in the room? Raise your hand. just (laughs) Just out of shape a little bit is every teenager after the summer. <laughs> Unless they're in summer sports. So, what sports are you guys in? Basketball. Basketball. Okay. Now let me ask you, if you were to play on your team sometime soon, how well do you think you would do with your team? Okay, well, none of my team year liked me. Uh <laughs> But let me ask you this. Imagine the best, the best athlete in high school right now here in town. You can even imagine, say, the best football player, and we don't know quite yet who that is right now, right? Because football's only been doing practices. They haven't done many games yet, right? But here's the thing. Imagine taking that high school big shot and taking them and throwing them in the NFL. How well are they going to do? Probably not too awesome, right? Why? They don't suck. Here's the thing. Their ability is there, but it hasn't been perfected yet. It hasn't been tested. and they, ha- they have ability, right? But it hasn't increased yet because they have to prove themselves. And they have things to learn. eventually, they may get to that point where they're in the NFL. And they can play with the big boys, right? But their ability is pretty good when they're playing against a bunch of high schoolers that have their ability or less, right? But once they get compared to people that have more ability, then what? They're, they get a little bit humbled, right? So in this parable, imagine it this way. You've got somebody with great ability. You've got professional, you've got semi-pro, and you've got your average. Okay? But each one of them is entrusted with something, and each one of them has ability. Okay? Now here's what a talent is. It's equivalent to about the weight of a gold bar of 400 ounces today. Equivalent of that. In society at this time, one talent was equal to 20 years' wages for the average day worker. Average day worker today... Probably, I mean, 10 years ago, it was probably about $15 an hour, but now it's $20, $25 an hour for the average person working today in America. So if you were to take $20 an hour, full-time job, that's 2,000 hours in a year, a lot, <laughs> right? <laughs> that comes out to about $800,000. It's a lot of money. If you do a little bit less than that, it's about the weight of a gold bar, right? So you could imagine, and when I say talents, I'm just going to say gold bars instead because we don't talk about talents in society today, right? A talent was just a monetary measurement. It was a weight that they would use. One talent was about 75 kilograms. So, One talent alone. The guy that was given one, he was given one gold bar. Who here would be happy with one gold bar? (laughs) You'd be pretty happy with one gold bar, right? You don't see any perspective perspective in this parable if you go read it for yourself. You don't see any perspective in the parable of one person gets one gold bar and they're like, What? Why does he get five? (laughs) No, they're like... It's yours, you gave it to me, you entrusted it to me to use it wisely, thank you. I appreciate that you trusted me that much. So, we see in this parable, they're each given an amount for what they're capable of doing with it. Okay, Each one of them was capable of using it wisely. Do you guys think every one of them did? If you don't know the story, I guess we'll find out. Like I said, one gold bar is worth a lot of money. Each servant in this parable is given a certain number of them. Now, Charlie brought up Elon Musk a few times, yes. right? No. <laughs> <laughs> How much do you think he's valued at today? 205 billion. 205. 5 billion. No, it's not 205 billion. It's 250 200. Billion. 250 billion. It is. No, he is not. <laughs> You're married to a 51-year-old man. (laughs) That's weird. (laughs) Listen. Hey, listen up. His value today, he is the richest person alive today, okay? And really the richest person to ever live so far. Other than, I guess you could argue, King Solomon. He was just immeasurable amount of wealth. It was insane. So, listen up. Elon Musk is valued at about 250 .5 billion dollars. That means just the .5 is 500 million, okay? 500 million just on the .5 end of things, okay? That is a lot of gold bars, (laughs) okay? That is a lot of money. How much do you think the second wealthiest person alive is? Who do you guys think it is? You guys know. It's not. He's number three. And only by like a few billion dollars. Only, right? (laughs) Only a few billion. (laughs) You guys probably don't know the name, but his name is Bernard Arnault. He's in France. You said that? Do you know who he is? No. (laughs) So, he's a very wealthy man. He essentially owns all of the top luxury companies out there. And like, I read some of the names of these luxury companies, and I'm like, I clearly am not rich because I've never even heard these names. A lot of them. I've, I've heard some of them. But Well, thank you. But here's the thing: How much do you guys think he's valued at? So you got Elon Musk, 250.5 billion. Second richest. Close. He is valued at $156.5 Now get this. The difference between the first and second richest person in the world. Listen up. Hey, hey. Guys. The chatter is ridiculous today. I know you're excited to be back. But come on. Let me, hey, hold up. How easy was it to focus when you guys were reading scripture up front? in front of everybody and people were talking. It was incredibly difficult, wasn't it? That is what we have to deal with every week when you guys do this. I'm just being serious, okay? Please give me your attention. Please focus, okay? And just so you know, your teachers have to deal with this way more than I do. (laughs) So please give them the respect they deserve too, okay? So just the difference between the first to second richest person in the world. We're talking almost a hundred billion dollars from second to first. It's a huge jump. To put that into perspective, the value of the second, that's two-thirds of their value almost. And that's the difference between that and the richest person. So I want you to kind of look at this parable because when When I've seen this in the past, especially at your guys' age, I look at this parable, and I'm like, well, this guy's being really mean and rude and harsh with these people. He's like, hey, here's my money. I want you to multiply it. See ya. You do my work for me. It's not how it works, okay? Yes. Oh, hello. This thing needs to get replaced. (laughs) Look at it like this. Imagine the richest person in the world, or just wealthy people in general, they own a company, and they're going to take some time, go away, whether it's on vacation, or they got a business trip they're going to go on, they're going to be gone for a period of time. And imagine they're going to be gone for a long time, because that's what the parable says. The master decides to leave for a while, for a long time, and then he comes back, and they don't know when he's coming back. And it never says how long he was gone. But while he's gone, he entrusts what he owns to people to do what he expects them to. It's the same as somebody owns a company, and they take the top three people in the company that work for him and say, Hey, you've been working with me for 25 years. You've been working with me for 10 years. You're pretty new here, but I see potential in you. Here's what I have. Here's what I entrust to you to do with it something increase the value while i'm gone don't waste the time don't waste my money i'm giving it to you to entrust you you're i entrust you i believe that you can do this you're my employee you agreed to do this in the first place right so that's the perspective you want to look at this now this is what happens you can say basically the master of the parable hands them this money and says, don't waste it because I'm coming back. It's not yours in the first place. It's mine. I'm coming back to you, and I expect there to be money there still, and not just money, but it should increase in value. Because as you know, what can happen in a year? A lot can change, right? Someone can dig up your gold. Or what could happen? Horrible inflation. Horrible inflation. Right? (laughs) That's what we've been happening lately. The value of the dollar today is very different than it was last year or two years ago, three years ago. Things change. So you should be putting things to work and making the most of what you have. Don't waste the time. So here's what ends up happening after the Master gets back. Same chapter. I'm just going to be sticking in Matthew here, Josh. So Matthew 25, starting at verse 20... And 21, just two verses, this is what ends up happening. Master gets back, and starting in verse 20, it says, And he who had received the five gold bars, or talents, everyone say five, five, came forward, bringing five more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five gold bars, talents, here, I have made five more. I've doubled it. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. Now, who would say that that's a little? (laughs) That's what the master said. You've been faithful with a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Enter in. This parable here is where this whole sermon series came from obviously, with me preaching at first, right? It would make sense. The person with the two ended up saying the same thing. They came before the master. You can read the story for yourself. He comes forward. He says, Master, see, you gave me two, and I've gotten two more. I've doubled it. Now I have four. And the master says the same words. He doesn't say, well, I mean, yeah, but, I mean, you don't have ten like that guy. (laughs) No. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. And you, I'm well pleased, enter into the joy of your master. He says the same thing to him. You've been faithful with a little. You'll be ruler over much. The third servant, what do you think the third servant did? Who here knows the story? Anybody? Anybody? Some of you are shy. <laughs> he buried it. That's right. So in, in chapter 25, sure, come ahead. Grab one. <laughs> the third servant, he didn't get talked to so kindly. <laughs> ah, bingo. Focus. What? Yeah, I understand. You got to stand up and walk and listen. All right, listen up. Starting at verse 24 through 28. This is what I'm going to pull up here, Josh. 24 through 28. This is what ends up happening with the third servant. And I'm not going to read all of it because it's quite a bit. But it says, He also who had received the one, everyone say the one, one gold bar talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. Sounds like teenagers with their parents, right? (laughs) And I went and hid your talent, gold bar, in the ground. Who said they would do that? Anybody? <laughs> Here you have what is yours, but his master answered him. What does he say? I want you guys read this with me. You wicked and slothful servants. You guys stop there. <laughs> you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten. Ten talents. Boom. That's right. Ten talents. Yeah. Uh, I need one talent first. (laughs) So here, here's the deal. Tim talked about this, this parable, this story. Hey, listen. Yes. Tim talked about this story in his sermon. A while ago during the summer, it was, it was a specific series called What's in Your Bag? And he talked about this specific parable. In some translations, they say that there was bags of silver, bags of gold um, that was handed over. And this concept he brought up really sparked the idea of this sermon. He said, faithfulness is more than just doing the right thing. It is being fruitful. It's more than just, well, I'm going to go to church. I read my Bible, I don't curse most days, (laughs) I say nice things to people, I take the trash out, (laughs) (sighs) not when you live by yourself, (laughs) then it's life, or you got trash in your house all the time, you don't want that. Here's the thing, I really, like when he said this, it sparked something in me. Faithfulness is more than just doing all the right things. And I think there's this concept in the church today that's like, well, I'm faithful to God. I just do everything that he says not like, to do, and I don't do the things he tells me not to do. And it's just a checklist. That's not what God's looking for. It's the idea of this parable. Because in this parable, it paints a picture. Jesus is coming back. Do you guys believe that? (laughs) Here's the thing. What we do with what we're given should show how much we actually truly believe he's coming back. Because the two servants, they believed he was coming back. And then there was the third one, believed he was coming back, but he didn't really do anything about it. He was afraid. He should have been more afraid of what the master would say with him not doing anything with what was his than him like just coming back, period. (laughs) His understanding of the master's return should have motivated him to get off his butt and do something with what was his. Because it wasn't the servants in the first place, right? says he came back to take account of what the master owned it wasn't the servants it didn't belong to them it said here is what is yours every one of you has gold in you you guys believe that and i'm not talking scientifically because yes there is technically gold in every one of us physically speaking <laughs> do you guys know that <laughs> but here's the thing this parable it paints a picture like I said who's the master in the story it's God and even I mean it's God in general but Jesus is God right So he's coming back there is a judgment day coming right so who's the servant it's us But more more specifically, who's the us? There's a lot of people on earth. It's the church. The servants, because any Joe Schmo out on the street is not a servant of the Lord, right? They don't serve God. It's those that follow Jesus are servants of the Lord. So people can become that by choosing to follow Jesus. And if any of you here have never made that decision, you can make it today. But this parable, it has them as the servants. We're the servants, okay? If you're a believer in Jesus, you are one of the servants. Now, what's the talents? What's the gold? What do you guys think that is? It's the gifts he gives you, the opportunities he gives you. It's whatever God entrusts to you to use for his kingdom because you're not building your own kingdom at least you shouldn't be how upset do you think elon musk would be if he took a vacation for a short period of time and somebody took his money and investments and just decided to build their own company with it it's illegal right (laughs) he would be furious right or he'd be really happy. He's like, this is an easy lawsuit. I can get even more money. <laughs> but here's the thing. When you choose to build your own kingdom with what God gives you, that's what it's like. That's what we're doing. It's not yours. It's not entrusted to you for you to build your own kingdom, but to build his kingdom. The idea of fruitfulness Stems all the way back to where? Be fruitful and multiply. Where does that come from? Uh, Genesis. Genesis. You already got one, Zeke. Genesis. <laughs> Genesis. <laughs> you did say Adam. I did say Adam. You episode. did. All right, come up here. That's right. Yes. <laughs> you, that? you see that? I'm so smart. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do uh, <laughs> I need to take it back? <laughs> It goes all the way back to Genesis. Now, God, God tells Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. Now, He's talking about filling the earth with people, right? But this concept of fruitfulness never stops. Because you even see it in the parable here. The master was determining the fruitfulness of his servants, that's what he was measuring. Charlie. You didn't have to bark. (laughs) Fruitfulness is something that's commanded by God. And it's expected by God with what you're given. With this parable, it's giving a glimpse of what... Every parable, it's Jesus trying to give us an understanding of kingdom stuff things that are godly. Like here's, here's something similar that you might understand to grasp, to understand just a little bit what the kingdom of God is like. In this parable, it gives an idea of what our life is supposed to be. God entrusts you with stuff. It might be your abilities, your giftings, whatever it might be that God has given you. What are you going to do with it? Everyone has to ask the question at some point, why am I here? What is my purpose? What do you guys think that is? What is your purpose? Why do you exist? Because until you live it for the right reason and the right answer, you're never actually going to enter into the joy that you're capable of entering into. Some of you here you have never actually experienced true joy. You have no idea what it means to be truly joyful. To have a joy in your life that it just, it's, nothing gets you down. <laughs> Where you have a, a sense of joy that it's unquenchable, other than you just choosing not to enter into it. It's an interesting phrase that the master says, enter into the joy of your master. It's really saying, you have done exactly what you were created for, exactly what you were destined for, and there's no greater place to be than exactly where you belong. There's a quote by Mark Twain, and I love this quote, it's, it's such a good quote, and there was, uh, I think he was a pastor of some kind over in Scotland, William Barclay, he also said it but I think Mark Twain said it first and this quote is there are two most important days in a person's life the day that they're born and the day that they discover why those are the two greatest days you will ever have greater than your best first date greater than your wedding day greater than the birth of your child first child second child however many children you have Greater than landing the job you've been fighting for your whole life. Greater than having more wealth than Elon Musk one day. Which is a lot. Right, Charlie? Yeah, make him second. That'd be nuts. So here's the thing. Two most important days in your life are number one is what? The day you're born. And number two... The day you find out why. Now here's what I would add to that. I would add the biggest tragedy anyone can face is never finding out why they were born. And I believe, guys listen, I believe there are a lot of people in this world that never discover why. And it's a great tragedy is especially a great tragedy when it ends by their own hand because they figure out in their own mind there wasn't a reason why I don't belong here. And they end their life. Many teenagers do it. Many people in general come to the conclusion I'm not meant to be here. And it's a lie. Every one of us on this planet was made with a purpose And here's what it is. Your purpose in life is to know God and to make him know. Period. Everything you do with your life is meant to be with that in mind. Understanding Jesus is going to come back one day and he's going to take into account what you chose to do with the decisions, the opportunities, the goal that you had in your life. Whether you chose To squander it, sit on it, keep it to yourself, do nothing with it, and then just say, here you go, it's yours, have it back, (laughs) when that's not the reason why he gave it to you in the first place. He gave it to you to do something with it. What does Jesus say in Matthew 5? He says, you are the light of the world. And then he says, you are the salt of the earth. Ellie, I know you're waiting for one. You want Twix? <laughs> you see connections, correlations to Scripture all the time when you choose to read it. And read it, read it more than just five verses a day, but you read chapters. You read chunks of the Bible, and you're like, wait a second. That like kind of connects with over there. This is weird. Crazy how that happens. But you see this connection where you're not meant to just sit on what you have. You're meant to shine it, to show it off, not for yourself, though. Right, (laughs) (laughs) Reese? He wanted to put his gold on display. (laughs) Check me out. (laughs) I got a gold bar. (laughs) Never going to do anything with it. Here's the thing, every one of us has gold, and you are meant to shine light to bring glory to God. Your whole purpose in life is to know God and to make him known on the earth. And you can't make him known if you don't know him, right? So you got to start there. If you don't know God, you're like, man, I thought I'd know him, but maybe I don't. Talk to your leaders. That's the one difference from Christianity to any other religion is that you're capable of knowing your creator. Every other religion says they're not possible to know. You just got to worship them. (laughs) And that's not my God. (laughs) But every one of you has gold in you. Every one of you is made with a purpose. And your purpose is not... For yourself. It's a God given one. And until you understand that, you will never actually have the joy that you're looking for. You'll never be able to enter into the joy of your master because you'll never experience it. To know true joy is to find out your purpose and live it. Guys, my most depressed, lowest moments of my life, the moments in my life that I was not happy with it, those big moments for me were when I didn't know my purpose or I didn't believe what it was. Because I can tell you all day long, your purpose is to live for God and to tell others about him. But until you understand that for yourself, And believe it for yourself. It's never going to do anything for you. You have to realize this revelation for yourself. Your purpose is to know him and make him known. Every one of us is given gold, like I said. And the way that you make him known, might look different to other people. For me, it's being a youth pastor. But I do it differently than every youth pastor. Because I'm a unique individual. I'm a different person. Right? I'm really, really unique. (laughs) Thank you. But every one of you has God-given gifts, talents, all those things that are unique to just you. But the beauty of it is, we're all meant to have the same purpose, but we go about it differently. Now, not knowing Jesus, knowing Jesus is pretty much the same. (laughs) We're not trying to know somebody else, right? We're all trying to know the same person. But God is creative, and he didn't make a single person that's just like you. Every one of you is made for a unique reason, but you all have the same purpose to know God and to make Him known. Now for you to figure that out, when you find that out one day, it, I mean, it's, it's truly freeing. You're like, wow, I have finally figured out why I'm here. Imagine the tragedy to live your entire life and to never find out why you were made. How awful would that be? How terrible would that be? The way you make him known is unique to you. But until you realize your purpose isn't inside yourself or what you can do, it's not your accomplishments. It's not your achievements. It's not how likable you are. That's not your purpose. (laughs) Guys, these are real things that you guys deal with. They're real things that teenagers struggle with. You try to figure out your purpose by... Trying to get friends, which having friends isn't wrong, right? But when you find your purpose in them, what happens when your friends are gone? What happens if you put all of your trust in your purpose in what you're capable of doing, in your physical abilities? Just look at athletes who get in a horrible accident and find out they can't play anymore. It devastates them. In some cases, it crushes them. There's athletes that have committed suicide because they're like, my life's over now. All I've done is tried to do this, and now I don't have anything. Even arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Peyton Manning, he's himself said, I've got it all, I've got this, I've got that, but there's just something missing. What do you guys think it is? (laughs) He doesn't know what his purpose is. Purpose isn't just to play football. (laughs) And every one of you has a purpose that's not found inside yourself. This is truly what's going to give you guys the strength to carry through hardships. In Nehemiah chapter 8, and you don't have to bring this one up, Josh. I'm just going to read a part of it. Nehemiah 8 Verse 10, it says, and the joy of the Lord is your strength. Have you guys ever heard this phrase before? The joy of the Lord is your strength. When you look at it in light with this passage in Matthew, I feel like for me, it changes my perspective of what it means. As I look at it and I go, my strength is actually found in just really living my purpose. And not living for myself, but living for God and knowing no matter what hardships I go through, no matter what struggles I face in life, if I know that I'm exactly where God wants me to be, I can get through every single one of them. It's what Paul said was the secret to life, the secret to living with a lot or living with a little, to dealing with struggles or having everything that I need. The secret is this. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. What he's talking about is if you know you're exactly where God wants you to be, Why would you want to be anywhere else? Paul was shipwrecked twice. Beaten more times than he could count, he said. I don't know if that's because it just messed up his ability to count. (laughs) So much traumatic brain injury. (laughs) It says that he was given 39 lashes. I think it was, I don't remember how many times. Three times? Five times? either way, one time is enough for me more than that 39 lashes if you don't know what it is it was them being whipped 39 times because they legitimately believed in that time if they hit 40 the person would die that was the threshold of pain that they they couldn't hit because once they hit 40 they're dead i don't know why it was 40 it's a weird number and by 40 times, they're like, oh, let's just stop at 39. Let's. A lot of people die when we hit number 40. But he was able to endure all these pains and sufferings because he had the joy of the Lord. It was him entering the joy of his master. Every day he got up and went to work. Every day he got up and carried through life. He said, I know I'm doing exactly what God wants me to do. And that is enough for me. That is the strength that I need to carry on every single day. The people that never discover their purpose are the ones that never have that strength. They struggle, wondering if their life is really making any difference. And if you know you're doing exactly what God wants you to be doing, you never have to worry about that. Enter into the joy of your master. You guys want to enter into that joy? Do you? You guys got to ask yourself this question. Let's have everybody stand up. Chick, chick. We're going to get into small groups. And I'll ask you guys two questions. Do you know what your purpose is in life? And what has God entrusted you to be faithful with? like the parable of the talent. What has God entrusted you with to be faithful like the servants that are in the parable? So I'm going to pray, and then we'll get into small groups, okay? Leaders, come on forward. And I just hobble up here a little bit. <sighs> Alright. wait, Wait. Wait. My are not dead. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks Thanks for playing. All right. McKenna's with John. All right. Okay. One Hop over there. Okay. We'll do six to a group. Okay. I'm going to pray and then we'll get in groups. Okay. God, I thank you for this parable that we can learn from, understand a little bit more what you expect of us, that you expect us to do something with what you give us. You don't expect us to just sit on it. God, I pray that we would really truly discover what that is that you want us to do, how you want us to use our talents, our giftings, our abilities, our opportunities, our influence, to build your kingdom. In his name, amen. All right.